Welcome back to the Get Smart With Money podcast. I'm your host, Dana Hernandez. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and worked at a grocery store for almost 10 years. Back then, I didn't know what I should have been doing with the money I was making, but if I had, things would be a lot different for me. Luckily, being a financial planner now in life, I'm getting myself on track, and now I'm on a mission to help others get ahead financially too. I know the struggles, and I'm in this with you. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Danielle Lapdiff. She is an empowerment coach, and she specializes in helping people stop being people pleasers and overthinking and also with self-sabotage. Thank you for being here today, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So what do people mostly come to you about? Um, A lot of times it's like feeling stuck. So not really sure how to like move forward. They feel like they're kind of just trapped and um, feeling like they're keeping themselves small. So I help with um, basically anyone who is, you know, the mind is going a mile a minute and you're constantly doing everything for everyone else and not really taking the time to set boundaries or take care of you. And a lot of times ending up in like detrimental relationships or uh, burnout completely and just Again, stuck is like the word that usually comes up. Um, so I work with people who pretty much um, figure out the root causes of it. And a lot of times it's the people pleasing, the overthinking. Um, and then we work together to overcome it and figure out a strategy so that we can like really embrace our own power, make ourselves a priority in our own lives. Um, and yeah, move forward and just, I like to say like, let your light shine. It sounds kind of cheesy, but like, rather than, you know, keeping yourself small to make other people feel okay, like getting over that fear and just owning everything that you are. Yeah. Um, I bet a lot of them have the same type of relationship after relationship type of thing going on too, huh? Yeah. It's usually pretty similar. What's surprising though, is it's not always it. Like I would have assumed it was always going to be like the romantic relationship that comes up the most, but a lot of times it's more, um, the the friendships, but more mostly family relationships are the hardest ones because of that, like the feeling of loyalty or obligation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that one comes up the most. And also you can't really get rid of your family. Yeah. Although, I mean, there are ways it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> it comes it's, with a lot of drama. Yeah. It's the most difficult one to control, but mm-hmm. as far as being a people pleaser, I've personally been working on this myself for the past, I would say, two to three months now, um, after realizing some things about how I act with people and how it's giving me more anxiety than I need. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like last night, I just turned down some plans that I, I said I would be there the night before or the day before, but I was just like, not feeling it. And I was like, I'm not going to go like, I don't want to push myself and force myself to do something that I just don't want to do right now. I don't feel like being social at this point in time. So normally I would have totally gone no matter what, I just would have done it. And last night I was like, no, I'm going to like do more self-care stuff and I'm going to actually say no. And I don't have to be sorry about it. I didn't give a reason. And (laughs) I just said, I'm not coming. 
just the not giving a reason shows like that's like huge progress from being a people pleaser. Like I feel like a lot of times the, when you are someone who does a lot of people pleasing, like your immediate instinct when you want to say no is to give a really long, elaborate excuse and you figure out every possible explanation. And that's like one of the biggest things is just no is a complete sentence and you don't have to give a reason. But I know that's like that's a really hard thing for a lot of people in the recovery when they are first getting started. Yeah, I think one thing that is really important to understand, though, is that self-care is really, really important. Like you come first before these plans to go meet people. Like if you're not feeling it, if you're not, you're not even going to be mentally present there really (laughs) 100% anyway. So why put yourself through that? Right. And I think one of the things too, is when you aren't putting yourself first and you're not doing the self-care, then even when you do show up, you're not full, like you just said, you're not fully present, but like, you're not adding anything. You're not giving anyone the benefit of like your real self because you're just there out of obligation. And then there's like the resentment building up. Yeah. Whereas if you take the time and you really only go to the things that you're meant to go to, or that are going to, you know, build you up or feel lead to fulfillment, then you're going to show up as your best self and you're going to contribute and, you know, make things better by being there. But if you're there and you're just giving off this like negative vibe or, and you really don't want to be there, people are going to feel that. And your, your presence isn't going to be like recepted very well. Yeah. And that's not really fair to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just, it's, it's actually being kind of self, like trying to think how to word this. So I think a lot of times when you do the people pleasing, you feel selfish to say no, you feel selfish to put yourself first, but in reality, it's actually selfish not to do it because no one's getting to see the real you and no one's getting to meet the real you or like the vulnerability that comes with being your real self. Yeah, exactly. So I've been working on that and it's, I've, I've seen a difference between from when, how I was before like you know laughing at people's jokes that like they didn't have to be laughed at or like going out of my way to like talk to this person and try and be friendly when I didn't really have to be so I'm just not really doing that anymore and I have a lot less anxiety (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah So it's super important to not be a people pleaser. I've actually been listening to this book on Audible. It's called Not Nice by Dr. Aziz Ghazipura. And it's just been really interesting to listen to. Um, I just just wrote that down so I can check it out. (laughs) Yeah, check it out because he just kind of goes over if you you know like it's totally okay to say no to going to something that you even said you were going to go to but if you're not mentally there then just don't go no one's gonna like hate you for it Mm -hmm. and the next time you do say yes that's probably gonna be a much more appreciated time that they will spend with you when you go absolutely i i totally agree i also think another way of looking at it too is Um, If you have trouble saying no, like every time that you want to say no, a way to approach it is you're not just saying no to whatever that thing is. You're, you're saying yes to yourself and yes to like your own time. And I feel like that leads to just when you appreciate yourself more and you value your own time and your own self-care, 
you're teaching other people that you have value as well. Because if you're constantly putting yourself on the background or putting yourself last and always saying yes to everyone and you're showing up, not your full self and just, again, that resentment that builds, but also you're teaching other people that like your only value is what you're providing for them or that you're always going to be there. And they don't learn to value you. They value what you can do for them. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it kind of all adds up and you're it, it stuttering a little bit. Um, You form like a pattern and a, a routine even. So mm-hmm. if you never say no, then the one time you do say it, they might resent you because they've learned to expect that like you're, you exist to fulfill their needs rather than being your own person. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely like a give and take type of mm-hmm. thing and super important. I've discovered how important that is over the past few months. <laughs> I'm so glad you've discovered it. Like they're so, especially women, I feel like have a really hard time just making that discovery. And a lot of, I know a lot of women who even now, like with social media and everything kind of explaining, like you're allowed to say no. And there's the resources. There are still so many women who just, they don't think that they can. And there's still that mindset of like, make yourself invaluable, like be the first one in the door in the morning, last one to leave, make sure you can do everything and that they know you can do everything. And it's with relationships, it's with jobs, it's everything. Like we're taught when we're young to crave that external validation and it becomes an addiction. Mm, Yeah, pretty much. Um, So I had an issue with this one girl at my past job and it was just a really weird situation. I was always just trying to do me and show up and work and go home and just do my best when I was at work. And she just did not like me. So instead of like laughing at her stupid jokes and stuff like that, I just straight started ignoring her and I felt better. I had no more anxiety, really. It was just nice. We just didn't talk. We just walked right past each other. It was great. And that was like during the time I started this not nice book. So when I was at work, I would picture the title and everything not nice in my head. So that really, really helped me. (laughs) I love that. Reminded me not to be nice because there's like a fine line between kind and nice. And I feel like most people are brought up to be just nice. Like, you know, when like brothers or sisters are fighting, the parents are like, be nice. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not going to help anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Or like be the bigger person so that you're constantly letting people walk all over you or get their way just so that to avoid the conflict. I know, like, there's a whole thing about that, too, like, be the bigger person. It's like, yeah, I get get that, be the bigger person, but it's so hard, and it almost feels a little people-pleasy, too. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just, like, removed yourself from the situation, or I feel like that's just, it's easier on you in the end, and you don't have to do something uncomfortable, like being the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I think so. There's this quote that I read once. So I don't remember the exact wording of it, but the main message really stuck with me. And it was if you're constantly having to be the bigger person, stop surrounding yourself with small people. Yes. And <laughs> I loved that. It like really stuck with me. I'm like, because that's something that I was told over and over again growing up. And I was always surrounded by these people who just they took advantage or they would start things knowing you'd back down. And yeah, like they always got their way it's like a because no battle. one ever said no. Yeah. It's a losing battle. You have to just remove yourself from the situation. Remove yourself from these people's mm-hmm. presence. Get them out of your life. They're toxic, most likely. Yeah. 
Um, so, like yeah. Indifference is a very, uh, a big quality that goes underappreciated. I think it, it can be very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so when people come to you for the fact that they're like overthinking, how do you work with them for that? So the first thing I usually try to do is come with like, come to the root cause of it. So a lot of times overthinkers, it, it stems from childhood. It stems from, um, either a weird relationship with a parent, or maybe it was like a teacher that they had a relationship with. There's someone who was influential in their life that kind of got in their head. And I know like for me, it was one of my parents and that voice is always in the back of the head. And it's, it's just constantly like overanalyzing everything and a million worst case scenarios all at the same time. And it's hard to narrow, like to figure out which voice to listen to. Yeah. So the first thing I try to do is figure out the root cause and identify that voice. Like some people are going to hear their own voice and some people actually will hear other people's. Like for me, I would hear my father's voice in the back of my head being like, oh, they're going to think this, they're going to think that. And I would go crazy trying to figure it all out. And to the point that I would do something and then, or say something. And like four hours later, I'm still thinking about it. Being like, oh, was that, was that what I should have said? Should I have said something different? Should I have approached this differently? Or if I said no to someone, I would feel guilty about it for like a week. And it was draining and so stressful. And I realized for me, it came from my childhood and of trying to like earn that love and trying to get that external validation and make people like me. And a lot of times I feel like it it's very similar for a lot of the women that I've talked to and a lot of people I've worked with. So identifying that root cause and that voice and a big part of it is once we've figured out who the voice is, um, we can kind of change it a little bit or challenge it because then you can figure out if it's really your thoughts that are guiding this mentality or if it's something that someone else put into your head. Yeah. And once you know the root, you can challenge it easier. So you can write down, you know, what the things that you're doing are and figure out why you're doing them. Are you doing this because you want to do it? Or are you doing it because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't? Or if you're afraid of being alone or afraid that this person might walk out on you or, you know, if you're walking on eggshells all the time, anyway, that's not a way to live. You'd be better off if they did leave. Yeah. So yeah. figuring out the consequences, figuring out who you can say no to or why you're always saying yes, why you feel that need is definitely the first step um, that I do with anyone who is approaching that. Yeah, definitely good things to journal about. Just really mm-hmm. dissect why you do these things. And if they were thoughts that were put in your head and yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Cause yesterday I realized that this one thought I had actually was not fact. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it was so yeah. weird. Like our thoughts really are like, they seem like fact when we tell them that tell ourselves things so many times, like they really are. Cause our brain really can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. You can tell your brain and body to do whatever. And it's like, okay. And it yep. doesn't know if things are done already or if you like want to do things, it can't really tell time. So <laughs> even memories sometimes aren't real. Like um, yeah. you can have a thought that you were told over and over again, or that you just thought about so many times, or you dreamt about so many times that you actually start to think that it was real. Like there's that whole, it's a kind of a joke or a meme that um, women can get mad at like their boyfriend for cheating on them in a dream. And it didn't actually happen. 
and they're furious. Like your brain actually can be convinced that something that didn't happen because of how real it felt can like, but it's trying to protect you. So it's really harrowing in on these feelings and it convinces you that it's real. And so there's, I also do um, neuro-linguistic programming and cognitive behavioral therapy. And both of those kind of tie into like reprogramming your brain and figuring out if what you're thinking is real or where it's rooted or if it's actually a fact. And a lot of times it's, it's actually more often than not in with a lot of the women that I've worked with that the things that they're thinking aren't actually true. So they have these self-limiting beliefs that if they stop the people pleasing, they're going to be alone and they're going to be miserable or sad or people are going to hate them. And it's like this whole spiral that just keeps going. Yeah. But so that's another thing, like another technique that we do as far as like with the journaling and, and figuring it out, not only the root of it, but we start challenging it. So if you're having this thought like over and over again, writing it down and then trying to find evidence to support it so that you can figure out if it is actually real. And a lot of times you won't be able to find the evidence, but you'll be able to find things that show you it's not true. And that's hmm. like another another really good way of kind of countering it and proving to yourself that you can let go of this tendency or can let go of that negative thought. Yeah. So the thought that I somehow made a fact to myself was that if two people in a relationship if one or both does not get something or do something remotely recognizable or to the fact that it's like a birthday or Christmas, like if someone does not put any effort into doing anything for those two days of the year for them, there's like an underlying issue in the relationship with one of them or both of them, like maybe one or both is checked out of the relationship already I told myself like that was fact because I've witnessed it a few times with my friends' relationships. So I was like, oh, well, that must be like why they don't get each other anything. <laughs> and I told myself that was like a fact. So, yeah, I want to journal think- on that and be like, where did this really come from? And why do I really like feel this is the thing? I mean, it it makes sense if you witnessed it in other relationships that it would impact the way you see things. Um, But I know, so like for me, I've seen, I have definitely seen that in relationships that I've seen, but I've also (laughs) experienced the opposite where um, you've realized like they actually just don't think about it. And like, that's where the line of communication really comes into it and kind of just approaching that person being like, this is how I feel about this relationship or what's happening you know, can we talk about it? Because that's another thing I feel like people pleasers are usually like afraid to approach it as a conversation because it might get seen as like a negative or, Mm -hmm. you know, not only am I afraid to say no, I'm afraid to ask to say no. I'm afraid to talk about it at all. I just need to do, do, do and and make sure that they see me as someone who's going to be there for them. That way I'm not a burden or I'm not trouble. Yeah. And that's come up a lot with some of the women I've talked to. And that was my own experience too, when I was younger. And then once you open up those lines of communication that you realize a lot of times, like people don't necessarily need you to do all those things for them. They just let you because they think you enjoy it or something like that. Or, you know, maybe a Christmas present isn't important to that person. So even though you do it for them, they never think to do it because it's just kind of like, Oh, that's nice. Thanks. But it's not an important thing. So they don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Our brains are so crazy. 
I'm learning more and more. It's wild what they're capable of. I know like when I took the classes in the NLP and the cognitive behavioral, like it was amazing. Some of the exercises they had me go through and realizing like what you can challenge and how your brain just, even though things can be negative, there's that comfort in the familiar and the fear of the unknown. And you just really can put yourselves in into bad situations because you're so scared of what the good situation might look like or might turn out to be. Yeah. I've been listening to a different podcast. He always says, what if it goes right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if it goes right? Stop worrying about the what ifs. What if it goes wrong? Because if something goes right, it's probably not even going to go wrong the way you're thinking. It's going to go wrong. <laughs> and it's yeah. not going to kill you, whatever it is, <laughs> either. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's like there's a it's another quote. I like it's instead of the um, what if I fall, but what if you fly or something yeah. like that? It's along the same lines. And I, I think that's another thing like our when we do think the worst case scenario, it's usually like 50 levels past what could actually happen. And we're just so paranoid that if anything, we're causing the negative things to happen in by trying to prevent them. Yeah. And see, that's not even happening yet. (laughs) That's one of the biggest downfalls with overthinking too, is not only, so even if the the worst thing does happen, that's going to suck when it's happening, but you've also now ruined all of this good time that you had before that happening by being in that state of fear because you're worrying about it happening. Yeah. And now it really might happen if you're worried about it and thinking about it all the time. Yeah, you might start doing things that are going to put you on that path because you're so scared about it. Whereas if you're kind of just like, well, you know what, if it happens, I'll address it then. Like right now I'm enjoying my life. Like I've got all these good things going for me, but you're so paranoid being thinking about other things that you're not enjoying what you have around you. And a lot of people just need to like take a step back when things like that are happening because you have no idea. You can only speculate and imagine things in your head. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen like you're imagining it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, it's a very common thing. I think it's it's totally normal, but it's definitely an active choice to not do that. And when you make that choice, like your anxiety goes down and I feel like you just, you have so much more energy and calmness and you can really enjoy like the things going on around you because you're not in that state of panic or state of fear. Yeah, and everything is a choice. Mm-hmm. how you react to everything is a choice like yeah plus what you notice too is what you call like whatever you're putting out is what you're calling in so like like even your mindset in the morning like if you wake up in the morning and you know you stub your toe or something if you're thinking about that nonstop then everything else is going to seem bad because you got off of that rough start you know you hit traffic and it's like oh well of course this happened today and yeah. you know every you get to the like the checkout line and they don't have the coffee you want or something and you're just going to keep building on on and on and on and you don't notice the good things because you're already in that mindset of well today's a bad day today sucks so you're going to notice every negative thing that could possibly be happening and all the good stuff that's also happening it just slips right by you don't see it at all whereas if you kind of shrug off that first initial thing and you're like oh you know my favorite song's on the radio i'm gonna enjoy this then all of a sudden you're like it's a good day i'm getting my drink i'm getting this and everything's gonna kind of, I mean, those are like really tiny, like whatever moments, but they all add up and it's all about which ones you notice, which ones you focus on. And if you're in that negative headspace, you're going to see all the negative stuff going on because your brain's looking for it. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good time to also reflect back on what you're grateful for Mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. 
it could literally just be something as simple as I'm grateful that I got to work today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I fully, the the gratitude practice every day, I always try to do the three gratitudes and I like try to take it a step forward and add a because at the end, like I'm grateful for this because of this. And it just like kind of helps it take a deeper root in your brain. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely something that I try to do every single day. And I try to like get my clients to all do it. And just, I really think that it, it helps you appreciate all of the good things and draw more of that in. Yeah, definitely. And like today, my boyfriend was in a bad mood and he didn't even realize he was in a bad mood until people kept coming, coming up to him and being like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And he's just like, yeah, I think so. And they were like, well, if you need to talk, like you can talk to me. He was like, okay, I guess I'm in a bad mood all of a sudden, like, I guess. And when he came home and he told me all that and I was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And then I asked him like a few hours later when he was at work and I was like, are you better now? And he was like, no, I'm still in a bad mood. And I was like, okay. He said, I'm still in a bad mood. So I was like, choose to be in a good mood. And think about three things you're grateful for and like really feel that. He was like, okay, so I'm going to check back after our podcast here and see if he did that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, it can be a huge, that? huge mindset shift. Yeah. And that's, it's pretty cool. So many people were like asking if he was okay. It's just like a good support system. Yeah. It was like people in his class, he's in welding school. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. People there. Um yeah. And then before he went to work, I turned on this song and I put it pretty loud on the TV and we were both dancing to it. I was trying to get his like endorphins going and his spirit <laughs> up and stuff. So I think it kind of worked, but he got to work and probably went back down. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, good, like jump start to try though. Yeah. That's, right. I that's what I did right before jumping onto this. Like that's how I get my nerves out. Whenever I'm going to talk, I dance it out. And yeah, it's funny. That's my go-to. Like I have a little post-it note that I have on my desk that has just some go-to activity. If I start to feel anxious or stressed or anything, I have a couple of like go-to good mood boosters and dance it out's the first one on there. It's always my go-to. And cool. I very rarely have to move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dancing is super fun. And yeah, it definitely works to get your spirits up and everything. And it wakes me up in between all these podcast calls I've been having lately. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I figured I would do that with him and I mean, it worked for a little bit, so that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I think too, even having someone else to do it with can also be a mood booster in its own. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's probably in a bad mood because he got pulled over last night. I could do it <laughs> yeah but I don't know he probably just went to bed thinking about it or something and that's when you have to think about what you're grateful for right before you go mm-hmm. to sleep at least then yeah it's really important I absolutely agree I think um I do like a meditation before bed every night to try and put me in like that good mood yeah. that we have like the restful sleep and it's actually impactful yeah I turn on YouTube stuff um anything that's like manifesting or meditation it's like 15 20 minutes long and I'll just like listen to that because I almost can't go to sleep without hearing something like that it's Mm -hmm. like it feels weird now not doing that (laughs) yeah with mine is my husband snores so it's like I have to have something in like like the the headphone ear or the eye mask that has the headphones built in and Uh 
I listen to the calming things as a distraction so I don't hear the snoring because otherwise that would just I would be angry and <laughs> then it would not it would not be well a uh, good night's sleep at all and then yeah I'd probably resent him in the morning so <laughs> yeah, yeah that changed it around complete 180 now I'm like falling asleep with the positive like calming cool and it definitely helps I want to get one of those one of those masks Amazon yeah. <laughs> Amazon. Amazing Amazon. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Um, so I am on, I have my website is emilyeveraftercode.com. Um, so I named it after my daughter. And then uh, it's the same username actually on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. Okay. And then I have like a free Facebook group where I do mini trainings and all of that, which is called Rise and Thrive, which is also on Facebook. And um, yeah, all the links to that are all on the the website I'm ever after. Okay. And then all those links and stuff will be on in the description of this episode as well for everyone to go check you out a lot easier. And thank you again so much. I hope yeah. people learned a lot from that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Please like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And follow me on Instagram at Dana.Hernandez.Agent, as well as checking out our new website, GetSmartWithMoneyPodcast.com.